on Urbanize, we're switching things up and interviewing Wally Brown, host of season one of the podcast. Wally Brown is a recent graduate from Portland State University's Master's in Urban and Regional Planning program. Originally from Georgia, Wally came to Portland in 2018 and has since had various jobs with different public and nonprofit agencies and started this podcast to showcase the diverse voices and work that's related to the field of planning. He currently works at Unite Oregon as the Economic Prosperity Director for East Portland. Wally has a unique and interdisciplinary background, studying Korean and French as an undergrad, and focused on transportation and public health during his master's. Welcome to the show, Wally. Hello, Shreya. Thanks for having me on today. So we have a few questions for you. The first question is, what do you currently do at your job and what are some of the other things you're also involved in? Thank you. Um, so at my job, I guess right now, I work at Unite Oregon and my title is the Economic Prosperity Director. And so at my job, I do a lot of things. Uh, we've created a website, I manage that. We, um, we created, we bought a bunch of software. Basically, I manage budgets, apply for grants, and kind of head the planning of an equitable development plan for um, East Portland. So this equitable development plan is meant to be a complement to existing planning documents around the city, like the comprehensive plan and whatnot, but it's meant to be community-centered. And we, we have a BPS back in us, that's the Bureau of Planning and Sustainability, with money from Metro. And so the, those are the two major uh, comprehensive planning agencies in the Portland region. And so what we're trying to do, or what I'm leading, the work that I'm trying to lead within my department is basically um, write, like talk with people who live, work, play in East Portland, and write down their aspirations for... Um, for, I guess, equitable economic prosperity. So what does that mean? That means, uh, like, how can, how can people who live in East Portland now stay in East Portland as kind of development goes out there? For, for, the, for the listeners who aren't in Portland, East Portland was recently annexed, or more recently annexed than other parts of the city into Portland, and that just means that it's the part of town where there's older infrastructure or no infrastructure, and it's kind of ripe for redevelopment from uh, the private sector. And we know when that happens, um, prices tend to go up for existing people, mm-hmm. whether through property taxes or just private owners like raising their rents. And so we're trying to proactively kind of create steps where like when development happens, Um, the people who live there now can still continue to live, work, play affordably in the neighborhoods that they grew up in. And like newcomers can still afford to go there too. Wow. So it seems like you have a lot going on with your job. seems like a pretty hefty workload. So you have a bunch of different partners you're working with. That's nice. Um, And I guess the second question kind of related is how or why did you decide to pursue planning? Hmm. Well, I decided to pursue planning. I remember ever since I was a small, ever since I was a wee lad, um, (laughs) I used to, 
I was I knew I always wanted to be a project manager. Mm. And I always liked having like big dreams and big goals, like going around the world and just like just doing stuff. And so, um, wow. What brought me to planning is I originally wanted to go to South Korea and I, I went to Korea. I, I also spent some time in Quebec, Canada. And just being in like major world cities where like there's trains that are affordable and like you can, um, wow, you can transfer from bus to train like mm -hmm. free of charge. And like the buses go to the suburbs mm -hmm. and like people actually use transit as a regular mode of transportation that's sometimes faster than the car. And then like people have parks that are affordable, useful and like well invested in. Like just seeing, just going around the world and seeing that other ways of life are possible of like designing mm -hmm. cities. That's what made me get into planning. Like that we could, through our actions and directing our investments as like a populace, kind of create an environment, a built environment that's more like, uh, what do we say? Like healthy or sustainable for humans it's like life-giving life-reinforcing mm -hmm. through our actions we can make the world we can make the future a measurably better place that's what got me into planning so there there were some ted talks there's alejandro arravina and I, he always talks about like how money is not the like money is not the scarcest resource of a city it's coordination mm. that that got me into it cameron sinclair's ted talk over um it was basically, uh, wow, it was basically uh, crowdsourced architecture. And Alejandro Aravina was basically a radically like participatory planning processes in the architectural design process. Mm. And then there's another, there's, a, there's an Asian teenager who redesigned like, like Boeing airplane, who redesigned airplanes to like, like with one infrastructural design, he made it healthier for people to breathe in there to like mm. not transmit diseases as much. And this was pre-COVID. <laughs> so like, I, I forget his name, So, but he, he's, he's really great. Um, it, it was those people that kind of inspired me to go this particular career path. And then why I came to Portland is because my dad, he visited here and he's like, hey, they have pretty good transit and they have a school here that's pretty good. I'm like, okay, I'll apply. I was chilling in Korea, they gave me a scholarship. And now I'm here, I finished the masters and now I'm planning. Wow, so it seems like you're, because you were able to travel and just see how things were done differently, you're, you can apply that to, to this city or other cities. So your experience worldwide has been helpful. That's, that's good to hear. All right, next question, Wally. What do you think are some ways you think that planners can achieve more meaningful public participation and community engagement and involvement? Hmm. That's a very good question. I think that there are a lot of easy steps that we could take. A lot of easy steps that take dedicated follow through. Number one, I think we should track where we're going and track where we've been. So, all right. Like I, I did this project called Equity and Outreach for the Bureau of Environmental Services. That's our sewer bureau. And then I did the same thing for our planning bureau. Basically, anytime there is an employee doing outreach physically somewhere, that is an investment in a community. 
So if all of your engagement happens in one part of town versus another, that means that you've invested X amount of time and money in one part of town over another. And I think if you just track where people go mm-hmm. on a live public map, not in like a creepy, like uh, real time way, but like a quarterly report, like, hey, we held this many events in Northeast Portland versus South Portland versus West Portland, you know? Like, I think that that would be more helpful towards contextualizing where we've been and who we are representing in the things that we do. And so, like, we can do that. We are already doing that on mm-hmm. spreadsheets, but everybody has their own spreadsheets. And so all I did was visualize it in a dashboard. So I think if we do that and make it public, that will allow people to understand, like, hey, where has the sewer bureau been, the water bureau been, and when when is the next time they'll be in my neighborhood so when I want to, like, learn something, like, I can just go. Like, I think our fragmented form of government, I think the American system relies a little bit too much on kind of nonprofits to fill in the holes for outreach, like giving them like money with no plan and like asking us to like develop the plan. Then they'll go with mm-hmm. another nonprofit like next year and whatever. And like what happens is like, there's no centralization. There's no, it's very hard to get a central source of information. Like there's the internet of course, but like I think the most efficient countries like in terms of governance have like, consistent community centers, physical Mm -hmm. community centers where like, if you want to understand what's going on locally, you can go to your local park. You can go to your local park, which has a community center, Mm -hmm. which has like a government representative being like, Hey, here's what's going on. So like, I think that that would go a long way, this centralization of services and then like consistency. And then another way would be, um, for us to have hire a city manager. Cause like in Portland, like everything's so fragmented Mm -hmm. our services our delivery of services are fragmented and therefore our communications are a subset of that we're talking about the stuff that we did and so people don't even know like i've been in organizations in the government where people don't know what other teams are doing and as an intern i was the one to tell them hey here's what another team's doing they're like oh really (laughs) but like it's the people who work in government they really want to do a good job and so but like the people who are chosen as leaders in our government often are not like skilled enough to understand like what's going on. Like the Pete Buttigieg appointment recently, like almost all of Donald Trump's appointments at the federal level. So you have, but like everybody who does stuff has to report to them. And then it's like the director's responsibility to kind of make sure that everything that everybody else is doing like kind of fits together as a puzzle piece. But when the person who's like making sure that all the puzzle pieces comes together has never made a puzzle before. The, even though the pieces fit together, they, they end up jumbled. So I think that's, those are two really good steps we could do. Easy steps. We could map where we're going and publicly post it. And we can hire people who know what is going on to lead these very important processes. Like the work exists before these people and it will exist after because of the people who are career in these fields. Mm. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, the coordination is is a key resource that we need to invest in. That's like the main the main source where we could improve. Is that what you think? I think it is the most important facet of any society, of any like organization is how you're organized. Like mm. city is just a group of people 
right? A school is a group of people. A prison is a group of people. And like what defines like what that group of people is, is what they have organized to do. Mm. So I could have 100 people in one place, in one building. If 50 of them are tied up, that's a prison. If 50 of them are learning, that's a school. Both of them aren't allowed to leave until the admins <laughs> tell them to, right? So they, there's some parallels between that. And also on the budget side in Oregon, the, the state prisons are take from the same fund as the state university. So when we build facilities, they're actually pulling from the same budget, you mm. know, from the state side. So there, there's a reason why I make that parallel. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, coordination. The way that we coordinate and organize, like, the groups of people that we're in, that defines space. I see. Mm. I see. Okay. Well, the, another question, which we kind of talked about earlier, but who or what inspires you? Hmm. Well, lately I have a really good partner. She's really supportive. I won't, I won't chat. I won't say, but she's, she's really good. She's very inspiring. I have, um, yeah, just people who people, I, I won't name them specifically, but some of the people who we've had on this pod, well, I will name them specifically, but I won't say what they do because I don't want people to get in trouble, but that's not to say that everyone who I named does things that are worthy of getting in trouble. Um, I like I like people like Sherry Peterson, Fabiola Casas, Nicoya Phillips. Like I like these people who, and, and Vanya Lucio, all these people who work in organizations who aren't afraid to do more, like like still maintain like that work life balance, but you're not afraid to like try something new. Like I like my staff. I like Katie and Emily because like they're they're down to like just learn whatever. I'm like, hey, let's learn some new software. And they're like, okay, hey, let's roll out this new software. They're like, okay, let's talk to these people about something that you've never heard about before, but we'll build it together. And they're like, okay, like when people take a chance on building a better future together, like that's that's what inspires me. And like seeing people who have built better things, like I really like the office of management and finance out mm. of the city. Mm. Like, I'm basically like, I like whoever has been pumping out those Tableau dashboards mm. that show like the budget in a very, in an easy to understand visual way. Like, I love that. I love people, like what inspires me is when someone, when I see like somebody explain like very difficult concept in a beautiful way where like, mm a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old can like understand it. And then somebody who, when you explain something that's really complex in such a way that somebody who knew nothing about it before suddenly becomes invested in it and feels compelled to do something about it. That's what inspires me. And then like when we actually do it and then like solve problems, that, that's what keeps me going, making the world a better place, one, one problem at a time. Nice, very nice. Um, okay, another question is, what advice do you have for folks who may be interested in pursuing a planning career? Okay, there is something I would have said earlier, um, but I've grown. I've, I would say, like, just, I would say, if you're interested in pursuing a planning career, first, ask yourself, First, ask yourself why and what do you want to do? Because hmm. if you have a sense of direction, that will, that will propel you to basically stay on track. 
because planning is a black box. Like you can go anywhere. You can go environmental. You can go transportation. Mm-hmm. You can go urban planning. You can go urban and regional planning, rural planning, land use. And so like find out in general, like find your North Star beforehand. And like, uh, hmm. And I would also say like once you start digging deeper and deeper into the field, like people have, people will have varying opinions mm-hmm. on things that you know to be true and how you handle that will define your career. So a lot of people have very good reasons to believe very stupid things, right? And, you know, we, I'm of the opinion that we should not believe stupid things, but some people have good reason. Like they have anecdotal experiences that are like, oh, this, oh, that. But like, like the way that we budget, a lot of a common thing is like, oh, we have so much money. It's like, we, we actually don't. We have like deficits and we have, and like, if, if you explain, so basically like just be patient with people because there's going to become a point where like there's information that you know that will kind of like that will change other people's opinions if they knew it in the way that you do. And like if you if you have you're going to get into arguments with people or you're going to see arguments where people are like, well, why don't we just do this? Well, why don't we just do that? And you're going to know like there's 30 reasons why we can't do something. Mm-hmm. Like There's a federal ordinance. There's a state ordinance. There's a local ordinance. Mm-hmm. There's budget constraints. There's what, or like we literally don't lack the capacity to do it. Like everybody wants to change over to like electric vehicles, but like you have to have an, a workforce of electricians. You have to have like charging infrastructure. You have to have so on and so forth. And so what I would say is, yeah, like just be humble. Like when you find new information and when you find people who don't have like the information that you do, but stronger opinions, like, don't necessarily discount them but also like you don't have to care about them so like i have to i have to turn people off a lot of the time just to function like i so to me like it doesn't care how it doesn't care how strongly you don't believe that coronavirus is a thing wearing a mask helps protect you from getting it mm-hmm. you know and like no matter what anybody tells me i'm gonna wear a mask and similar effect like no matter no matter what anybody tells me like I know that there's a deficit, like no matter how much money like the sewer bureau has, I'm gonna be like, well, I know that there's a 30 year deficit or at least uh, maybe a hundred year deficit or not, not deficit, but um, backlog of maintenance. Mm. And so I'm gonna be like, hey, like when you see that there's like $2 billion, it's like, hey, we could just do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, we have $2 billion to address like $30 billion worth of backlog maintenance. And so- <laughs> <laughs> A lot uh, of things are backed up, huh? Yeah. Sewer bureau. Yeah, you're right. And so, um, yeah, just wield your knowledge wisely. Um, don't be a jerk about it because people won't listen to you. So, yeah, just, like, stay true to yourself. Keep learning. And when people have very strong opinions and want you to do something that's either unethical or untenable, like, you don't have to listen to them. And if you're in a situation or an environment where you have to listen to people, are just highly opinionated but don't have the facts to back up what they're doing like you don't have to do what they say like this is a hot field right now if you get if you learn planning and have data analytics you can leave your job one week and have a a fresh new job the next week like you don't need to if it comes down to your ethics and your morals then like this is a job that should be it's like community centered but it's also very it's also quite technical and like what balances like the community with the technicality are our morals and our ethics. 
And so like, just stay true to your ethics, keep learning and don't be a jerk about like teaching or interacting with others. And I think, I think you'll do well in this field. That's some good advice. It's a, it's a important to remember what you learned and, and that people come from different experiences and have different, different types of knowledge and whatnot. Mm. All right, all right, next question. What are some of your go-to sources for data and or any book recommendations you have? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. My go-to sources for data. I love, uh, well, I'm loud. I'm extra loud. Okay, so my go-to sources for data, um, there's a public GIS servers uh, PDF. And that basically, um, and if y'all want that, just email me at wally at wallyplans.com. Basically, that is, um, that gives us like a back door. Um, to a lot of the public and it, it's like a it's a public backdoor it's not mm -hmm. like we're hacking anything you know what I mean because um, we're not going to talk about this on this back but anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we're just saying like that's like a backdoor I wouldn't even say it's a back it's a side door because you're not going around anything mm -hmm. but it's a side door into live maps of like the locations of assets around your neighborhood and I use it assets and investments around your neighborhood so if you want to know like hey like where's my next street project coming up or like hey where where are all the streets or sidewalks in my neighborhood you can pull that up all the community centers all the whatnots like the the public dashboard so servers like these and it's a link to a server and so it it auto updates so mm -hmm. when they update it you see it so it's a live service so i love those i love uh tableau i follow this um lady named Amber K. Schmicht, and she's a, um, I, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. She is a data scientist who makes visuals and does storytelling for like the coronavirus up, updates um, for Georgia. And she does it uh, daily and then weekly and then has like monthly synopses, beautiful visuals on how the virus is spreading, how it's being treated, how testing is going. She'll like get into the differences of like why graphs are different like why there's PCR test, why, why does the PCR testing look different than the other testing? Mm. And even like the distribution of vaccines and then like why, why some data doesn't even show up. Maybe like the state is collecting it or presenting it in a wrong way or hiding it, you know? And so those, those places are where I go to. And then I love like reading news, NPR, um, the hourly news update, PBS NewsHour, mm -hmm. um, Frontline, I love 60 Minutes. I talk to people. I talk to my mom. I talk to other people. I talk to people out in the community, mm -hmm. and I say, what's up? So, yeah, I try to have my core. That's my core, like the NPR, the PBS, the CBS, like the 60 Minutes, the Tableau, the Schmicked. And then, I like, that's, like, my core. That's my go-to. And then I try to, like, let everything else be, like, my social network. And then outside, and that's not, like, Facebook. I mean, like, the actual people who are mm -hmm. my social network. And then outside of that, like I try to leave space for like, oh, there's like a new article from Wired that's talking about AI or, mm -hmm. hey, there's a Supreme Court case. I try to go straight to the source if I can. I'll get the third, I'll get the tertiary, I'll get the link. There's a Supreme Court ruling. Okay, you can actually listen to all of the Supreme Court cases in audio. And so like, if, if I hear like there's a Supreme Court ruling, sometimes I'll just go, I'll crank up C-SPAN or I'll crank up like what, I don't know, it's like the Federal Register, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Um, and I'll just listen to the live audio recording of like the Supreme Court justices arguing. So it, it's pretty cool, yeah. 
Sounds like you're staying pretty well informed during these times with all your news. So yeah, that's great. Okay. Next question is, if you had the ability to change one law today, what would you do? Oh, wow. Uh, I think that if I could change the law today, so I'm going to take some leniencies with this because we have so many, we have such a fragmented law system. Mm -hmm. So if I could change one law today, you know what? Hmm. I think if I were to change one law today, I would go back to the Constitution and I would write in the the clause, no Santa, that um, this document is not meant to be taken literally and we understand that um, circumstances and context will change with time. Mm. Therefore, this document should be revised at regular intervals to keep pace with changes in our society. I think that paragraph being added to the American Constitution would allow us to revise tax laws, um, address a lot of the recurring like originalist versus like sensible debates that we have. Mm. Like if we just if we if we just institutionalize the constant reworking of the Constitution, I think that would be great. I think I think the countries that are most successful in the world right now have revamped their constitutions, like so at some time at some point in the past century, possibly multiple points. And so, like, Germany is pretty, like, they did some bad stuff and that compelled them to revamp their constitution. But um, Korea also revamped theirs after their war. And so I think we should revamp our constitution at regular intervals. And that would, that would address a lot of our underlying problems since most of our laws go back to constitutionality. Ah, that makes sense. So you have, you have this incremental progress that is at least happening at regular intervals. And you're not, you, don't have to, you don't have to go back to this super old document to say why it doesn't work or it shouldn't work because you're, you're allowed to change it. That makes sense. All right. Um, random question, but what's your favorite mode of transportation and why? The streetcar, of course. <laughs> no, anybody who knows me knows I, I detest. I, I, I really have a strong dislike for streetcars. It's not healthy. I admit it. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the way that we budget them. It's the way that they go. Like, if anybody wants, I think we've run in, like, the, uh, yeah. So I, I attend transportation conferences, and I've seen the models. They have the same voltage but go half the speed but don't cost half the cost. And I'm like, okay. I just get heated. And, like, uh, basically... What we run as streetcars, at least in Portland and in the United States, and I'm, I'm from Atlanta, so they put in a streetcar. Like, the guy, Ryan Gravel, he looked at Portland, and he's like, hey, let's, of all the successful transportation, let's use a streetcar. For those who don't know, they, there's normally, there's heavy rail, light rail, streetcar, right? Heavy rail goes, like, basically above, well, let's say 50 miles per hour and above. Uh, light rail goes, should average anywhere from, like, 20 well, let's be, let's be, let's be realistic, let's 15 to 50 miles per hour, right? Because mm. the max can go on the highway. Streetcars typically go from, like, zero to, like, 15, like, normal. And, like, may- maybe they get up to, like, zero to 25, you mm. know what I mean? But they don't, av- none of, they don't average 25. And in other countries, like Europe and even, I think, Canada, like, light rail is 
what we have as a streetcar, like light rail goes from like zero to 50, right? Mm -hmm. And then heavy rail goes 50 and above. And like we're getting to that point where like even in Asian countries, like their heavy rail, like we don't even have a comp, we don't have a comparison for that. Mm. Like Shinkansen in Japan, the bullet train, uh, la vitesse in, in, I mean speed in France, that's like bullet. Mm -hmm. um, like we we can't even we don't have an equivalent to these speeds like we are we are being quickly outpaced in tech we're being outpaced so far that we don't even have a category we don't have a category in our um vocabulary of rail and so my favorite mode of transit is actually the electric bicycle i know that was a whole turnaround but my favorite form of public transit is like the fast train i just love trains like buses are cool I love articulated buses. I love double-decker articulated buses. Articulated buses are my favorite type of bus, mm -hmm. right? Um, because they're so easy to pronounce because they are articulate. And then, um, what's it? Like fast trains, those are high-speed rail. That's my favorite type of train. I've ridden it in the Netherlands, in Korea, in Japan. I just, uh, there's something about like intra-city, inter-city rail, not intra-city, intra is like within the same city but intercity going from city to city via rail like there's just something about that that's just so democratic so human-centered you don't leave the ground you don't go to the sky like it's just very natural to me mm -hmm. and then my favorite form of transit overall is electric bicycle i think it has a comparably lower carbon footprint than electric cars um, they have replaceable battery, like easily replaceable batteries. I think they're more accessible to most people. I think the DEQ should finance people getting these instead of subsidizing further car use. So basically like the electric bicycle is my favorite because you can go from like, you can go anywhere from like a zero to, I don't know, like 10 mile radius within about an hour or so, probably less than an hour if you're on full charge. So. Yeah, that's my that's my favorite one because you're you're still exercising. You're using electricity. It's like the merging of technology and human-centered power, and so you're not just you're not just replacing one for the other. It's very synergistic, and you can fit more of them on the roads and whatnot. Yeah, and it's great because, like you said, you can get exercise, and you can choose when you're when you're tired. If you see a giant hill, you can get an extra boost, and you don't have to be exhausted by the time you get to your destination. You're actually always tired because they have two tires. Oh. So too tired for your jokes. Okay. <laughs> um, last question, Wally. How do you think the field of planning has changed or will change as a result of COVID? Oh my God. I think, um, wow. So I sit at the, the intersection of planning and public health, right? Because um, I, I graduated with planning. I'm, I'm deferring my public health until after COVID but I, I took some classes and I'm gonna be finishing up probably next year. Um, well, I think that planning is becoming more meritocratic. Like, I think it's becoming more like sensible. Like I, I've heard a lot of people say like that planning was like technocratic back in the day, but it wasn't. It was just people who had connections. Like it just was, it, it wasn't that people knew, like people talk about Robert Moses all the time, but I don't think he actually understood the ramifications of like what he was like he understood like he was screwing people over by building bridges that way and he understood that he was making money mm. i don't think he understood the infrastructural like load that was put on the city how unsustainable that model was like i i really think that he was he lacked the understanding i i think it was stupid in many ways stupid or ignorant 
possibly both. Like he, he did a lot of things, but he he really messed up like the the pace of New York's development for like for probably the rest of that city's history until we like kind of revamped that. But basically, that is to say, I'm hoping that planning becomes like more skills oriented. Like I beca- I hope it becomes less of like oh I'm a person with a planning degree, but really like hey like I know how to do X Y Z. Like I want I want to live in a city where transportation planners know about transportation like when i think city of portland does really good i have the people i've talked to at peabot they generally know what they're doing you know what i mean and how and like people who understand how their role fits into the larger picture of making society function today and working better for tomorrow while also reconciling with like the past inequities disparities or um deferred like actions you know what i mean I want to live in a place where people understand that, where the people like not e- not just working in it, because I think we've had that for a while, mm. but like the people heading our agencies are qualified and experienced, and like have like the knowledge that it takes to understand how things fit together. I think with the coronavirus outbreak, like quite frankly speaking, we just had whoever was Trump's friends were heading like the Department of Health and Human Services or like uh, the C. Maybe not the CDC, but Health and Human Services, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we need people. Like, you ju- you don't just give that to any random senator, even if they were like a. What was it, Johnny Isaacson? He was a. Uh, he's from Georgia, but anyway, public health is different than like. Like we need people who are skilled in like this, broad people who are skilled for the positions that they have, and so if you're going to serve in a director capacity. You need to have the experience and the know-how to not only direct people and say like A goes to B, but you also need to understand how the actions of A impact the actions of B and lead to C. And I'm I'm hoping that like with the coronavirus outbreak, we've just seen that it's unacceptable to have people um, basically, like with the Biden administration, like his his nominees for like the coronavirus task force, those it's heavy skilled based. It's like these are people who know public health, mm-hmm. and that and that's a form of planning. We're just planning for the better public health of our society. I'm hoping that that translate. I'm hoping like right now it's all reactionary, right? But um, I'm hoping that for the future, like for transportation, like for agriculture, that the people who are given these positions of power, for the role of directing the future of these organizations, which is planning. I'm hoping that they are qualified for their positions. And I'm hoping that that, I'm hoping that that's how we change as a result of COVID. I think other countries have figured that out. Mm. And like they've seen, they're reaping the benefits of having qualified people in their positions and not just cabinet appointees. So I'm, I'm optimistic in America with the coronavirus task force from Biden. But then I'm like, I'm, tacti- I'm tactically cynical because of uh, like the appointments of like Pete Buttigieg to the as the Secretary of Transportation. Like that makes no sense. He's not he's not qualified, and mm-hmm. so like our transportation will likely suffer for that. He's probably going to do a lot of things that are that feel nice, but aren't sustainable because he doesn't understand. But and he's not going to listen to people because he's like, you may have no, more knowledge, but I have more power than you do. So, and I want to be president, and I want people to like me. So. Whatever. And so, like, that, that, that just undermines the entire system. So I'm hoping, I'm hopeful, 
I'm uh, tactically cynical, but I don't, I don't trust a lot of these people, which is why I'm in planning. Like, I, if, if, if I trusted people to plan effectively in America, like, I'd, just, I'd be a full-time dancer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, our country's in. Yeah, we, we, need a lot of, uh, we need a lot of good, talented people. And so if you are good, talented, and also interested, and even if you're not talented, like, talent can grow. If you're interested and, like, willing to, like, work hard and, like, go through and, like, understand what's going down, then please enter planning and help us make a better future. Thank you, Wally, for those inspiring last words. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Can I can I subscribe to this podcast? Like, I'd love to learn more. Do you have any other episodes or? Oh yeah, there's a whole there's a whole uh, I don't know what number we're on, but there's a lot of them, and most of them are hosted by this other person, Wally. I don't know if you know him. Or not. Right, okay, <laughs> I got I gotta check it out. All right. I'll check it out on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, <laughs> or maybe I'll check you all out at WallyPlans.com. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Thanks for having me, Shreya. Yeah.